Well, it is, uh, it is a sort of a change of roles for me this week again. Where I, don't, I haven't been leading the music, but I get the privilege to bring God's Word to you. And it's been a while since I've had that, that honor, so um, I, I relish the idea. Well, this past week, as you know, the church campus was filled with the, the, the delighted children as they were doing the vacation Bible school. Uh, so again, uh, appreciation for all those who assisted in either teaching and instructing, the playing the games, the singing, the providing snacks, decorating, cleaning up afterwards, um, organizing and praying for the children. It was just uh, a lot of work that went into it. Sherry was saying that about 80 kids came out. So it was uh, definitely a good turnout for that. So thank you to all the volunteers. The past week, the... Uh, the title of it, the focus on it, was called Cave Quest. The message was Jesus, the light of the world. So for today, I thought it would be fitting for us to look at what the children had been looking at during the week, and using that passage and taking some more things out of it. So you might be able to say it might be a light sermon. <laughs> so for our text this morning, we'll be looking at uh, John 1, verses 1 through 14. Let's read. In the beginning beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came into his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who receive him, who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who are born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Before we get into the message, let's approach the throne. Holy Father, Lord God, how wonderful and delightful it is to to be able to come before you, to look at your word, to hear your word. Father, we come before you as sinners, but through your mercies and through your graces, we, we even dare to approach you. We have the honor and the privilege to worship and to praise you. So, Father, speak through me this morning. May your light shine through me. May your words be through me, that, that we see your face and not me. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, as we start out this morning, I wanted to bring out three main points. First point being the definition of light. Then we'll look at Jesus, the light of the world. And thirdly, Jesus, the light of the world, through 
his people, the church. And as we begin, let's consider the difference or the definition of light and the, the difference between light and darkness. So first of all, what is darkness? Have you ever considered the definition? Can you define it? Well, the simplest way to define darkness is the absence of light. Well, then that bears the question, what is light? As I looked up some definitions, light has several things with it. They call it, they had it as a noun, a verb, and an adjective. Well, first of all, as a noun, it calls it light. It is the natural agent that stimulates sight and makes things visible. Very important. As a verb, it is to provide with light, to illuminate, to make something start burning, to ignite. And my favorite is as an adjective, not dark. Okay. Well, with light, can we feel it? Can we hold it? Can we hear it? Can we taste it? Can we smell it? No, we cannot. But light itself is self-evident. It makes itself known. It is something that can, it is not something that can be grasped or even fully understood. So to review from our original text in John 1, 5, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness does not understand. It can't grasp what light is. Darkness can never overcome light. Only when a light is diminished or extinguished is darkness able to settle in. We have these things called flashlights. We could beam flashlight. It's not the opposite. You can't beam a dark ray and have it overcome and darken the room. Well, each of us has some event in some time where the lights are all turned off and, the, and darkness settles in. We've seen that at stadiums, at arenas, sanctuaries. Turn off all the lights. Then one candle is lit and is passed on until the whole room or the whole arena, the whole stadium is filled with the lights, either candlelights or cell phones, which, whichever nowadays is the more popular. But what's happening? As all the lights are joining together, more brilliance to it, more is illuminated and you can see more and the light shines. The darkness is no longer there or as penetrating as dark as it was. The darkness is chased away. Let me read from Genesis as John was looking at the, the original creation. Let me read from Genesis 1, chapter, verse 1 through 5. Again, the creation of the world and the universe. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning on the first day. 
The first day of creation, God commanded, let there be light. Notice, if you read on with that, it was not until the fourth day that God created the objects to manage the light, the planets, the sun, the stars, the moon. The kids learned these quick lessons this past week. And we will skip the games part just because we don't have the room or the time right now or the setup for that, so don't worry about that. But first they learned, as Cherry was just going over it, Jesus, the light of the world, gives us hope. Jesus, the light of the world, gives us courage. Jesus, the light of the world, gives us direction. Jesus, the light of the world, gives us love. Jesus, the light of the world, gives us power. First of all, love gives, light gives us hope. Now, I can remember as a child when it was bedtime, and particularly in the times when it was dark outside, I always wanted to have the door open just a little bit because it was dark. I didn't like the dark. It was hard to, you know, kids, we just imagined so many things like that. So I wanted the door open just a little bit so there's enough light in there. Likewise, when people are in distress and things, and we always, the phrase, oh, there's the light at the end of the tunnel, to hopefully give some hope to them. And hopefully it's not the oncoming train, but imagine sailors on a stormy sea, maybe lost and going through the darkness, and then they see the beacon from the lighthouse come through. There's hope for them because they, they may not be as lost as they thought. And they could have the comfort from that also. So when all seems lost, and the darkness is all around us, even a glimmer of light can lift our spirits and give us hope. Light gives us courage. As light illuminates our surroundings, then things become more apparent. We may be encouraged to face the trials of the dark things around us in the dark times. Light gives us direction. Remember the Israelites when they were fleeing from Egypt? How were they guided? The pillar of fire. Fire gives light. Ever gone camping on a moonless night when even the stars are all clouded over? It's not fun trying to walk anywhere without a light. We need something to light our way to give us direction. And who here does not have at least one nightlight in their home? Nobody likes to stub their toes in the middle of the night. And as was read a little bit earlier from Psalm 119, verse 5, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. So we continue, the light of the world gives us love as he was willing to enter the darkness of death for even me. The light of the world gives us power, the power of God and the Holy Spirit through Christ Jesus. And we'll touch on that in a little bit more. Now back to our text and for John 1 to see the arrival of Jesus, the true light. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, 
but he came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. In announcing the coming birth of Jesus Christ, the Apostle John regards Jesus as the light of the world. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. So what is the importance of light? Why is it light? Why is it that light is used throughout the scriptures? In particular, John uses it the most of any of the Gospels to illustrate God's presence. Well, as we've gone over some before, light illuminates. It exposes. We can see the things around us. We can see the truth. And light penetrates to expose the truth. And light is used to guide us. All the things that the scriptures do for us. John then ties two of the titles together. The Word, where Christ is the Word from the beginning, and light. So I review. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. Jesus later proclaims at the Feast of the Tabernacles in John 8, verse 12. And just uh, as a reference, Pastor, tell me if I'm wrong here, but Feast of the Tabernacles is one of the uh, major feasts that the Israelites held every year. And there were these big towers of lights, and they lit them. And that's when um, Jesus came out and said, I am the light of the world. So imagine the big towers from the stadium beaming down and somebody comes out, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Well, here's a bold statement. First of all, this is one of the seven I am statements and claims by Jesus in the Gospel of John. The leaders and the teachers at the time knew exactly what Jesus was saying when he made that claim. They understood, and they were testing Jesus, that, and claiming that only God is light. Therefore, they understood that Jesus was who Jesus was claiming to be. They were not pleased, but to put it mildly, they were not enlightened. Now I want to compare that portion where Jesus is claiming to be the light and then the passage in Matthew in the Beatitudes. This is the second part or the other part where Jesus is talking to the disciples and to his followers. And from Matthew 5, 13 through 16, you are the salt of the earth. If the salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hid, nor do people hide light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to the whole house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to God, to the Father who is in heaven." Now, is this confusing to you? Jesus is the light of the world, yet he is telling his disciple and us that we are the light of the world. Jesus also told his disciples 
that he would not be with them much longer. And while he was on the earth, he was the light of the world. But he promised his disciples to give his light. In John 5, 15 through 17, Jesus promises us the Holy Spirit. If you follow me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. And again, more in John 16, 5 through 16, states more the purpose and the coming of the Holy Spirit. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. But I am, go I am going to him who sent me. And none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict and the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. For the spirit of truth comes and will guide you into the truth. For he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me and will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So Jesus is promising the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit. And this came to pass at the Feast of Weeks, as it was called, which is a time of sacrifices and offering commanded by God during the time of the Exodus. And that's when it was first held. Um, and this, the time, this time was uh, soon after Jesus had ascended. Now, a quick aside, if you'd like to jot down a quick note, if you'd like to learn more about the Feast of Weeks, uh, to do some homework, you could read about it in Leviticus chapter 23, verses 15 through 21, and Numbers 28, verses 16 through 31. Now, the Feast of Weeks was also known as the Feast of the Harvest in Exodus 23, 16. You shall keep the feast of harvest of the first fruits of your labor of what you sow in the field. Now we have somewhat of a similar feast of this um, every year. We happen to call it Thanksgiving. And hopefully it's not a burnt offering. Of course, we do have pizza available after that if it is. Um, but this feast was to be offered to, to be, was called upon at the 50th day after the Passover. And if you take the word five in Greek or 50, pente, you could add it to it and it be, becomes pentecost, pentecost. 
So 50 days after the Passover, Christ was crucified during Passover week, 50 days after his, his Pentecost. So Jesus, the light of the world, was crucified at the time of the Passover, entering into utter darkness, separation from God the Father, sealed in a dark tomb. The world thought it could put out the light. But darkness cannot hold back light. Jesus is the light of the world. The light cannot be, darkness cannot comprehend it, does not understand it, it cannot grasp it, it cannot hold it back. Jesus, the light of the world, arose victorious over death, victorious over darkness. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. After the resurrection, Jesus continued to appear to the people for 40 days. And Luke, as Luke recorded this in the book of Acts, chapter 1, verses 3 through 9, he writes, He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during the 40 days speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive the power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he said these things, as they were looking up, he was lifted up and the cloud took him out of their sight. So Jesus ascended into heaven 40 days after the resurrection, which was during the Passover time. And on the 50th day of the Feast of Harvest was to be celebrated, Pentecost. So as the people were gathering and bringing in their offering to be burnt to God, as they had been instructed in the time of Moses, and we read about, and you'll read about if you do your homework assignment that I gave you, um, we'll read about and from Acts 2, verses 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as, as a fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, I believe it would be difficult to have a burnt offering without a fire, and that's what the people were there for. It was recorded one other time where somebody did have a burnt offering without providing a fire, because God did that. When Elijah was out there making fun of the prophets of Baal, and God provided the fire. Well, here, again, see how, see how fire is coming down. 
it rests and is divided up among the people. What's fire do? Fire brings light. So the light of God is given to the disciples. The power of God descends upon them and dwells with them and is inside them. And they spoke. So the fire gives them light and the light was with them and they shared the light as they talked and as they preached to the people. At the feast of the harvest, according to to Acts 2 verse 41, so those who received his word were baptized and there were added that day about 3,000. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So we could say that this is the first harvest, the first fruits after the resurrection and the coming of the Holy Spirit. And while the whole, and that was the whole purpose of the, the feast, to gather in the first fruits, to present them before God. Weird, isn't it? Isn't it interesting how the Older Testament coincides with the New Testament. It's like God planned it or something. It's weird. And they're all proclaiming and all pointing to Christ, the Son of God, the true light. Now, since we have the light of Christ in us, what are we going to do about it? Let's try some application. From Ephesians 5, uh, verse 8 through 10. For at ta- one time we were in darkness, but now are in light of the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. Light will expose the darkness. As, if, as individuals and as a church, we are to shine the light of Christ to others in this dark world. We are to be beacons of Christ's light shining through us, like a lighthouse. Quick aside about some lighthouses. I found these interesting. I hope you do too. Have you ever noticed that each of the lighthouse, every lighthouse has a unique appearance? Either the paint scheme, the light sequence is also different. That's because as they are out to sea, they could tell either by day where they were by the colors and the shapes or at night by the the sequence of how the lights are going. Where do you expect to find a lighthouse? I sort of thought they'd be placed by waters that can be dangerous. Dangerous areas. Remote areas. Sometimes very remote. And they all had to be manned and stationed. Otherwise, they were useless. They were to alert sailors of the unseen hazards in the dark waters, to offer hope to those who may be lost in the darkness as the storms and as the light penetrates through the darkness, giving them direction and courage. Many lives have been lost at sea because, of, uh, because there were no lighthouses or people to work them. It's very important that a lighthouse be set on a solid foundation because they have to face the ravages of the sea. The world will continue to beat against 
the lighthouse, in the church. If you've ever seen the famous picture of one of the lighthouses, the big white lighthouse, and the waves are just crashing around it. And there's one lone guy sitting in the, or standing in the doorway at the bottom of the lighthouse. And the huge waves seem like they're going to knock it over. That guy, it's an actual picture, and the guy did survive. He just went inside. <laughs> um, but those are the ravages of the sea. If that wasn't built on a solid foundation, where would that lighthouse be? So likewise, the church, unless connected, uh, yeah, the lighthouse is useless unless it is maintained. It has to be manned has to be maintained, it's fuel replenished, power connected, and the lamp lit. The lens must be kept clean to keep the focus. And the keepers had to be present and on station and alert at all times. Likewise, the church, unless we are connected to a good power source, good fuel, unless the light is lit in us, unless we keep focus, Unless we are on guard at all times, we may become ineffective. And some lighthouses have lost their original missions. Some have even closed and are abandoned. Many still function as lighthouses and are interesting museums. Ponce Inlet is a functioning lighthouse and a museum. One interesting one that I was reading about, Cape Hatteras. Lighthouse, the tallest one in, in North America. In 1999, the Cape Hatteras Lighthouse was moved over a quarter mile inland off the beach to a firmer foundation. It was one of the largest structures ever moved. At 200 feet, foot tall, weighing over 5,000 tons, it is the largest masonry structure moved in one piece. So like that, our locations may change, our mission, our ministries may have changed, but we are still called to be light in the dark world, and sometimes even the keepers change. So now since we have the light of Christ in us by the Holy Spirit, what are we to do about it? Let's review the VBS lessons. We are to bring hope into this world. We are to encourage others to build each other up with the light and the love of Jesus. We are to be lovingly giving direction and light for other and to light the way for others to come to Jesus. And we are to boldly do this boldly because we have the power of God in us with the Holy Spirit. As individuals, as a church, we are to be shining the light of others, of Christ to others in this dark world. We are to be the beacons of Christ shining through us, to stand firm on the rock and upon which even in the midst of the storm or in the calm seas. So let your light shine. Holy Father, as we... We are your light. Let us shine. Shine through us as we give you praise and glory.
We thank you for your love. We thank you for being the light. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.